Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome in to the TDN Fantasy Podcast, Paige Demakos and Jamie Eisner. You'll get a little bit of Jake Arians at the end, but he is preparing for his event this weekend. Decided to attend. If you haven't bought tickets, there are still a few tickets available on ariansfamilyfoundation.com. Uh, it's going to be a great night raising money for foster children. If you don't know about their foundation, they do great stuff. Uh, still here in Arizona, making an impact even after Bruce uh, moved on and is coaching in Tampa. They do stuff all over the country, still doing stuff in Pittsburgh. Uh, they're, they're just, it's a great foundational event. Um, uh, get to talk a little ball this weekend with Bruce, which I'm excited about heading into Indianapolis in the combine, but we are talking AFC North today. Uh, at the end of this podcast, it'll be a little bit of a, a conversation. I told you Jake would be a part of it. The CBA potentially getting done today, obviously approved by owners already. We're waiting on the players, some big news in that capacity. So stay tuned to the end of the podcast. That's where that conversation will happen. But Jamie and I are going to talk about the AFC North and we're going to kick things off like we have in previous podcasts with the team that finished in first place. And that is the Baltimore Ravens, Jamie, 50 guys under contract, a little over $30 million of cap space available. When you look at this list of key free agents, who are some of these guys you can run through the list, but who are some of the guys you think that's that are going to end up staying here in Baltimore? I mean, interesting to see who ends up staying because right now, like Michael Pierce, Jimmy Smith, Matthew Judon, I think are the big three for them. Josh Bynes played really well for them at times last year. He's also a free agent, Jihad Ward. So those are some key pieces to the team, particularly on defense. Uh, I'll be interested to see what they can do with, with Pierce and Judon. I think Jimmy Smith is, is going elsewhere. They have some pieces there at the corner um, that they, I mean, not that he's necessarily expendable, but if you're looking to spend your cap space somewhere else, um, I still think, again, you need to add a wide receiver to this team. Uh, I still think you need help help with edge rushers, which is why I think Matthew Judon should be a priority for them interior offensive line. So they need to make sure that they can add to this team. There's there's still some things this team needs to do better, and we've talked about adding weapons around Lamar Jackson. And, it, and yes, you could do it in the draft, but you also might need to do it in free agency because I think you need multiple weapons. I think you need to add two receivers to this team along with Hollywood Brown uh, being healthy going into next season. If you really want to be a contender, because as we're going to talk about later in the show, your path to a bye got so much harder now. Yes, it did. And Kansas City is still there. And Mm -hmm. Kansas City is still going to be the favorite to win the Super Bowl next year. So you're going to need a lot of help. And what you need to do, if you need Lamar Jackson to take another step forward in his progression, particularly as a passer, you're going to need to put more help around him. Because he was playing with Mark Andrews and a whole lot of nobody. Yeah. Uh, with all due respect to like Seth Roberts, who's a free agent, and uh, you you had Hollywood Brown, who was hurt to begin the year. Like you just no, don't there's a, really there's, Sneed. I yeah. mean, these are not guys that these are not. That's not a Super Bowl core of pass catching weapons there, and no. they need them. They need that desperately. Especially when you're looking at Lamar Jackson and you're evaluating him, and you're going, okay, we we built an offense for him, right? They did a great job in doing that. He's able to run the football, but what happened when they got to the postseason, right? They they need to have the ability. He needs to take that next progression, and it's not only on him. He needs better weapons to throw the ball to. There were a lot of drops. I went back and watched that postseason, and there were a lot of drops in that postseason game, okay? They don't have – if you just have – if you're looking at Mark Andrews and a bunch of guys, that's not great. 
that they, they need to, and that's what I wrote down here to ask you is, yes, they can go to the draft, but there's quite a few potential targets you have listed here in the wide receiver category. Do you see them going to address this? Because if I was running the show, yes, this is a deep wide receiver class, and I'd definitely be going in that direction, but I also think I would be addressing this in free agency as well. Yeah, and, and I'm looking at the slot guys in particular because again, they're not going to be they're not they don't have the money to be in the Amari Cooper sweepstakes if it comes to that. Uh, I don't I don't think you're going to want to bring in Robbie Anderson because he has off the field stuff you have to deal with. Uh, I, I don't I think the Brashad Perriman ship has sailed uh, with them. He had so much success leaving the team. I doubt he's going to come back. Uh, and we just come back into that offense that he did not have success in before. But I look at three guys that are veteran slot guys, Emmanuel Sanders, Randall Cobb, and Danny Amendola, because I'm looking at you're going to have your Hollywood Brown as ideally, again, keep in mind, he was dealing with a foot injury literally his entire NFL career in, the, in year one. So he came into camp with a foot injury. He left school with a foot injury. So we're going to see what he's going to be. But he's that take the top off the defense guy. He's that dynamic. I think I like him more on the outside. Uh, as a guy that can basically be full capacity Deshaun Jackson. Not that Deshaun Jackson runs two outs sometimes. The full the full route tree uh, Deshaun Jackson. I think he has the ability to have that type of a player, just to give you an example. So you need somebody on the inside. And you need a veteran. You probably can only sign one given your cap situation. I think all three of those guys make a ton of sense to me. They're safe, reliable options. They give Lamar Jackson another dump off in the middle of the field along with one of his three-headed monsters at tight end there. Uh, they can be they can be leaders in that wide receiver room, and they shouldn't break the bank. Uh, I, so I, to me, getting one of those three guys to the team, preferably on a one or two year deal, probably going to be two or th- maybe two or three if you're dealing with like an Amendola or, or Sanders. We'll see what he wants to do coming off that injury. Uh, but I, to me, I think one of those adding one of those guys to the team would be tremendous. You draft another one. Probably day two. I don't know if you're going to spend a first round pick on one, but day two guy. Uh, Plenty of guys will be there. Put him opposite of Hollywood Brown, uh, you know, and say, you know what, let, let let's roll with that, and then you can address other needs, re-signing some of your own guys, and using that thirty million dollars in cap space to address some of the losses you're going to have on defense. That makes a ton of sense, though. Then you start looking at that offensive unit, and you go, okay, Hollywood Brown takes a step. You have Mark Andrews. You like that. You get one of these free agent guys. You add another wide receiver, and all of a sudden, you're like, okay. We feel a lot more confident in what we have, but I think the big thing there is it would be nice to have a veteran receiver yeah. in that room with these young guys. That can still to, play. That not can just still the guy play. that's there. Yeah, but. not just a guy, right? Yeah. Like we said, a, a guy that has some impact. Do you see them clearing up space with the two guys you have listed here? Especially I was looking at, you know, tackle Ronnie Staley because it's his cap hit, right, is zero. And they can cut yeah. him and, and get $12.9 million back. I, I don't see it. The only guys uh, – so if, the, if you guys have been paid, listening to all our episodes – by the way, if you have it, I suggest you do. Even yeah. if you're not a fan of a team in that division, it's really good information to have. Because it kind of gives you an idea of what other teams can do. And and you've seen, we've already debunked a lot of myths on this show of this just this can't happen based on the cap. We get talked to, we're blue in the face of how we want something to happen. But there just doesn't make any sense, i.e. the Matthew Stafford trade we talked about during exactly. our NFC North of just it's not a viable option for the Lions this season. Uh, the only But we talk about guys who can clear up space, significant amount of space. And the only really guys that could do that on the Ravens are cornerback Brandon Carr and tackle Ronnie Stanley. But I don't think they're going anywhere. Uh, I mean, those are still... Even for the six million and the twelve point nine million in savings, respectively, that's still below market for what those two guys would get. So I don't imagine we're going to see any cuts from them. So it's about using that thirty million dollars ish in cap space because there there is going to be a rise in the cap, which we'll find out after the CBA. There's some rookie cap holdover you have to keep just for your draft pick. So this isn't exact, but it gets pretty close to what they're looking for. 
Uh, I just think it's more about re-signing a couple of your own guys, bringing in a veteran wide receiver and drafting well, which is something the Ravens have a history of doing literally their entire franchise yeah. existence. Yeah, it, it, it hasn't been a problem for them. Any other thoughts here on the Baltimore Ravens, Jamie, before we move on? It's an interesting division overall. Yeah, And, and I think as we get into some of these other teams, Pittsburgh's going to be better when Ben Roethlisberger comes back. They were pretty good last year without him, which was, I mean, that was probably the finest job Mike Tomlin's done as a head coach. Uh, I expect Cleveland to be better than they were last year. They're still yeah. extremely talented, although there's some issues there we'll go over. But they're still a very talented team that I can't imagine would be worse. And Cincinnati Bengals are about to get a franchise quarterback. Yep. Uh, and their franchise wide receiver back. It's, so, it's uh, gonna, again, this, this division will look completely different than it did last year. Completely I'm just different. saying the path to getting going 4-2 and two in the division is tough. It's yep. a lot more difficult than it's been before. And if you go 3-3, three and three, you ain't sitting at, you, you ain't getting a bye. No. Just period out of story. I'm not sure you were getting the buy in the old format. You're definitely not getting a buy in the new yeah. format if you go three and three in your division. Yeah, and it's uh, this division is, is going to look a lot different. This was a this season specifically was a really really good opportunity for Baltimore, and they took advantage in some ways, and then obviously squandered those those opportunities in the playoffs. So we'll see what what Lamar Jackson and company can do this year. I have a lot of faith in John Harbaugh after seeing the progression that happened from one to two. What's going to happen going into this season? And I have like a that. lot of faith in Lamar Jackson. Too, I agree. Because I, I, and I said this on the show because I don't think this gets talked about enough. The adversity that he faced <laughs> as a human being and as a football player Agreed. after what happened against the L.A. Chargers two years ago in the postseason was a lot for anybody to handle. It was a lot for a 10-year vet to handle. It's a lot for a young guy in the league that every people have doubted and are like, oh, yeah, we knew this was a gimmick all along. For sure. And to put your head down and go into the offseason. And win an MVP. And win an MVP and play at an elite level. He was the unanimous MVP. Yep. Like, I know Russell Wilson was really good for the first eight weeks of the year. He dropped off. It was There was no other option. Nobody even in the same stratosphere as Lamar Jackson last year. Yeah. Now he's facing adversity again. And now he's he is going to put himself in a spot. Does he take that next step forward? Because there, there's going to be, and they're completely different football players, but you're going to understand what I'm saying if you've been watching football for a while. He's going to start to run into Peyton Manning territory here, where people go, yeah, those are good. And they're different numbers in the regular season. A lot of rushing, a lot of com- combinations. Say, oh, yeah, you, you're a great regular season quarterback, but you're a choke artist when you get to the postseason. Yeah. That's going to be a narrative that surrounds him. And honestly, and there's nothing he can do about it until January. There's not. A, they can go sixteen and zero. Yeah, it's there's not matter. a damn thing he can do. Or excuse me, seventeen and zero maybe. <laughs> uh, and there's not a damn thing they can do about it until January. Uh, and so that is going to be a thing of let's see because does he continue to progress his game not only as a passer but as a runner too? Like there, there are areas of his game. Uh, does that offense progress? And by the way, the easiest way to do it is getting him more weapons. Yeah. Like I don't think he needs to raise his game a whole lot. I think he needs to raise his game some. And give him more weapons that raise the game around him. Players that can help like Lamar Jackson better instead of Lamar Jackson making other players better. Correct. And you have a really good situation. But we're st- he's still going to have that, that cloud over his head. He's handled this with the utmost amount of class. He's put his head- He's done everything I we've said we wanted Baker Mayfield to do. Correct. And maybe That's we it. still could do it. We'll see. He's having some cracked phone issues right now. I'm not yeah. going to get into that right now. But <laughs> but we'll see if that, if that happens. Uh if that happens in this offseason. But, like, uh, that's the biggest thing to me is a little bit more progression from Lamar Jackson, but a lot more progression from the offensive playmakers around him is a recipe for success for the Ravens, which, again, should be through bowl contention next year. But they still need to if – they, if they just roll back to last year, there's still some holes they have to fill. Yeah. They're, they, as I said, I have a lot of faith in, in, in John Harbaugh, but I agree with Jamie. I echo everything he just said. I have a lot of faith in Lamar Jackson. And if he has that same attitude – 
going into this season. He stays humble and doesn't get big on himself and goes, you know what? I want to use this again as a chip on my shoulder to prove everybody wrong. That could, man, him getting better, more weapons. I think that's, that's really good for the league because he's a young superstar for sure. All right, the Pittsburgh Steelers in a completely different cap situation than uh, everybody else in the division, $1.6 million. For those of you counting at home, that's not very much money, okay? 63 guys under contract, a couple of free agents here, Jamie, and a couple of uh, clearing up space items that I envision they will do. What do you see shaking out here? Because obviously they need to move some things around. But the big thing here is you're running it back with Ben Roethlisberger and you assume this roster doesn't need that many changes because you're hoping you just have health, which is Juju and your running back core and and your quarterback and half of basically your entire offense that wasn't healthy. You're running it back going, yeah, we feel like we're a Super Bowl contender because we weathered the storm and we're just going to run it back. And that's really all you can do. Like they have 1.6 million in space now. When they cut, I mean, some of these guys are practice squad guys. So if you take them out of the roster, you're closer to 6 million. Uh, you're going to lose Bud Dupree. I mean, Nick Vanette, whatever. That was a backup tight end for you. Um, I want to, I don't, I can't imagine they get a deal done with Javon Hargrave. So that's going to hurt. I mean, those are two really key starting pieces of your front seven that you're going to lose there. But. You know, we'll see. They could they could cut Chicolo, save five million with a one point one penalty. They could cut Vance McDonald, but I don't know if they will unless there's another player they're trying to sign in his place to say five point seven. Because, I mean, a five point seven for McDonald, that's not it's not a that's huge not unreasonable. And, no, and, and he has a connection. He knows the offense has a connection with Roethlisberger. Uh, so unless for some, I just can't see them having the money to be in on the bigger name tight ends in the market. So to me, it's more about you're going to have other guys that need to step up with Bud Dupree likely gone and Javon Hargrave likely gone. Draft well. Ben Roethlisberger stays healthy. Juju stays healthy. Connor stays relatively healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, which again, I, I don't think at this point, you, if you get, you got to expect maybe a dozen games. Like yeah. I think that's your ceiling, and you just have to understand. Maybe on Bell was, to be honest with you. Yeah, between the suspensions and yeah. the injuries, and never so. played sixteen games. And again, you like I, I like what I saw from Benny Snell. I agree. Uh, Jalen Samuels is, is a guy, but he could fill in again. You don't want him to be the guy, but mm-hmm. I mean, Benny Snell was fine and. But again, you don't want to be running out like Kareth White and stuff like they were at points last year. But again, you can address that late in the draft. Uh, I, yeah, it's honestly, it's literally just run this team back. You got Ben Roethlisberger now instead of the the garbage carousel of quarterbacks that they were running through there uh, late last year. And we'll see how they do. They're going to be a playoff contender. Yeah, they will. With or without this extra playoff team we're going to talk about later, they're going to be a playoff contender. 100%. You know, the only thing, again, if Ben Roethlisberger plays – the majority of the season. Let's say you know, it maybe misses a game or two in the middle of it. But if Ben Roethlisberger plays into the teens of games, they're going to be a playoff team. 100%. And, and they proved that last season by being in playoff contention to the end. But to, for most of the season where I was pulling for, I want Mike Tomlin to be in the coach of the year conversation because it was ridiculous at one point that this team was in a wild card spot where we were looking at the Cleveland Browns at the time going, Good God, could you, the the difference in talent right now and the coaching disparity is so massive. It was so easy to look at it and go, wow, this is an incredible coaching job by Mike Tomlin. And that's why this team on this podcast is very boring because they're not, they're not going to do a lot because they can't, they They can't can't, and they don't have to. And they knew that they knew this is a situation as you're dealing with an aging quarter, aging hall of fame quarterback late in his career. 
uh, entered into a new format. If this this was in place last year, they would have lost by five touchdowns to Kansas City on wildcard weekend. So that would have been nice. Yeah, that would have been fun. Uh, <laughs> they would have uh, they would have had an extra postseason game. That would have been fun to watch them lose by a bajillion points, as but you we'll, said. We'll, at we'll Arrowhead. talk about that more later. But yeah, I mean, look, this is the, this is the end of their window. Like this is as Ben Roethlisberger ages and. We can, we heard Ben Roethlisberger retirement rumors two years ago. I know. Uh, so I mean, we're literally in a. It could be any time now. So at that point, one, you're going to free up a lot of cap space, so that helps. But then you're going to have to figure out what your QB plan of the future is because it's clearly not anybody on the roster. Yeah, you've drafted guys, you've taken flyers over the last couple of years, and you had an opportunity to play those guys uh, because Ben was hurt, and you very clearly saw that those guys are not the future. So that gives you an opportunity to go, okay. Maybe in this deep quarterback class, you're getting a quarterback in in a later round, right? That might make some sense as we go into this draft and look at what their needs are. If I was them, I would be taking a look. There's going to be yeah. guys that are going to be available that they could get that they don't need a whole lot. And it's honestly, I've talked about this and Jake and I have had long discussions about this, that there is an argument to be made that if I was, if you're a GM, you draft a quarterback almost every year. Or you take two. I mean, Literally, there, I remember, I'm not joking. And, and I know there are a lot of things, again, there's, this is a lot of things in the background went into this and that this is not as simple as I'm sounding it, but people killed Mike Shanahan for taking RG3 and Kirk Cousins in the uh, same yep. draft. And who ended up starting more games for the Redskins? Yep. I it's understand. Great, that is a great example. I understand Jamie. that, is a that great. nobody expected RG3s to just his, to get his knee absolutely destroyed the way it did. I get it. But you could take these late-round flyers. The question for me with the Steelers is without a first-round pick, since they, they moved on on that with the Minka Fitzpatrick trade, uh, is do they try to load up on day, uh, on day two? Because I don't know. I mean, yes, you could take a QB day three, but at that point you have to scratch off lottery. Tickets. For sure. But on day two, do you load up on edge rushers, interior defensive line, interior offensive line to kind of replace some of the holes that you have and say, all right, we need guys that can make – some sort of an impact, maybe not a superstar impact, but a strong impact for us this year because we're going for this window. Or are they going to look and say, you know what? There's this interesting quarterback here. Would you spend a second or third round pick on one of those guys, knowing that they're not going to give you, assuming Roethlisberger doesn't get hurt, anything this year when you have a limited window here? So, I mean, it, it's a tough decision. For sure. It's a really tough decision because I, I, I'm leaning towards I think they go with guys that are going to help them immediately. I agree. And they're looking at this in a very short-term window. For sure. And we'll deal with the quarterback situation when we have a first-round pick again. And then then there's the scenario that plays out that you're sitting there and all of a sudden Jacob Beeson's in the second round. And you're looking at it and you're going, hey, we didn't know he was going to be available. Yeah. Like it, it, it's how the draft board falls. And it's what teams, happens. That's what matters. And these teams always know more than we do. Which of was course. Like people last year freaking out that Denver didn't take Drew Locke in the first round. <laughs> Look where they got him. Yeah. And I think that's the always thing that we always – when we're in that time of season, we should remind everybody that you don't, don't trust anything. Everything that's no, out there is yeah. garbage. Every, like, nobody knows anything. Says is, nobody knows anything, and if it's coming from a source from a team, they're throwing you off the set. It's a smoke screen. Yeah. Like they're, they're purposely trying to push you in one direction, and nothing is going to happen more oh. so than next week when I'm in Indianapolis where – all of the media oh, yeah. and all of the GMs and all of the head coaches are all in one place. And there's going to be a lot of conversations over a lot of libations. And there's going to be a lot of BS. Oh, and by the way, if, if, if a source is like an area scout or somebody like that, uh, I hate to break it to you, but teams <laughs> intentionally know that those guys are talking and they 100%. will feed them bad information. Sometimes just to see who is talking. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, so very good I, point. You, you have to understand this. Like you're going to hear a lot of nonsense. 
We're, already, we're hearing a little bit less of the Joe Burrow nonsense than I thought we were going to hear. We're still hearing some. Though. By the way, when did this narrative come that he didn't want to play in Cincinnati? I had not heard that at literally any point until about three weeks ago where somebody just were trying to make an argument. trying to create something that isn't there, Jamie. Yeah. Trying trying to force something because you know what's boring? Knowing that Joe Burrow was going to be taking number yeah. one overall in November. Up. But you know what? Remember when we were okay with that? Remember when Mario I, Williams signed a deal like three days before the draft? I love it. I think it's great. Like, I'm I'm like, let's print shirts for Joe in Cincinnati. Like, remember, that's what I'm, we had a I'm about. Year, we had a couple of years in the mid-2000s where, like, the NFL had to stop teams from signing guys to not ruin the entire top first five <laughs> picks of draft. Such a good point. Because when Jamie. they were, like, the number one picks were signed. Like, I think Stafford signed before yeah, the draft. that's like, a good point. Several of these guys signed well before the draft, and the team said number two, like, can we sign our guys? And the NFL's like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, we're not doing, the we're not doing like, a fantasy football, like, slow draft via email, guys. Like, we have this whole event we're setting up here. They're going to be boats. Yeah. They got boats this year. <laughs> so, like, they're, they're not going to let this happen. But, no. like, we know what the first two picks of this draft are. Yeah. Like, and that's fine. It's okay. What's wrong with that? It's a franchise quarterback and an elite pass rusher that's the best player in the draft. By the way, that's a formula that happens almost every year. Exactly. There's like, no – there is absolutely no reason why we can't just look at the first two and go, yep, it's good. We're good. That's fine. By the way, what happened last year? Yeah, Kyler Murray and Nick Bosa worked out pretty well. <laughs> right? Huh? And this is like, this is the Come same on, format. It's, the it's same, okay. Yeah, it's the okay. The intrigue is what the hell the Lions do at three. And then what the hell did the Carolina Panthers and Miami Miami Dolphins and LA Chargers with quarterback talk? Like, Guys, what do they is, do? This is the most interesting draft in a long time because there are so many. Look at how many quarterback changes are going to happen yes. this year. They're between Eli retiring. Tom Brady potentially not playing in New England. Philip Rivers not playing in, in L.A. Yeah. That right there are three guys we've watched for decades of football yeah. that are no potentially in Tom no longer playing in the place yeah. that we've gotten used to them playing. I mean, yeah. that in and of itself was extra intrigue, right? Yeah. And, and and now it's like Jameis could be on the move. Where Cam, Mary, if, 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 Cam could that be that, that, that's a vision. That letter that Matt Rule that somebody wrote for Matt Rule that they sent out to all the all the fan base there, uh, was basically kind of being like, uh, don't expect much this year. Again, literally what we said on the show, if you yep. listen to back back when, but don't expect much this year, but and we're gonna trade Cam. It didn't say that, but if you read between <laughs> the lines, it was like in the invisible link. Yeah. Uh, but if somebody would take Cam, I don't know who's gonna take Cam because we talked about I know everyone's like, oh, Cam to Chicago, which was stupid to begin with, but we yeah. went over Chicago's cap situation, and it can't happen. So, like, it, it, this is just – Andy Dalton's going to be out there, maybe. Although, again, I don't think it's the end of the world for the Bengals to keep Andy Dalton for a year. Which we're going to talk about you, when we get to them. You benched him this year for a crappy rookie quarterback. Now you're going to bring in a good one. Yeah. So who, who, Oh, by the way, I'm pretty sure Andy would be fine with being the guy to lead Joe. He's not a real big ego guy. So if you can get him to buy into that, we'll get to that because I want to talk about that. One, and he's on a one-year deal. And yeah. also, it's not like he's he's sitting there with a five-year deal like, no, what am I going to do? Like, you go somewhere else next year. Exactly. Which, by the way, is probably better for you because there's 18 zillion quarterbacks right now. Of course. Go, like, go, you know, go be a holdover for the Saints in two years when you please retire. <laughs> go, go, go Andy Dalton, Taysom Hill. Combo. Oh, good night on we'll that. Talk about that. All right. The, the, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, have a lot of cap space. The, the following two teams, the Browns and the Bengals at the bottom of the division, have the most cap space. The Browns have $62 million available under contract, 53 guys. Some key free agents here, a couple of guys I want to run through, Jamie. And then we can get to potential trades maybe, clearing up some even more space. Um, that Olivier Vernon deal is very interesting if they decide yeah, to, I, I, to move on I, from that. I mean, they don't um, have to. They have enough space, but like maybe you should. Yeah, I, I just I look at the dollar amount and I go, yeah, it kind of makes a lot of sense, right? But yeah. 
what are there when you look at those free agents? There's four guys you have listed here. Uh, who are the guys that you you think should run it back? Well, Joe Schobert, I think, is a key piece of that defense, and I would really like to see them find a way to get a done, deal done with him. Demarius Randall's interesting. Uh, he's been a guy that he, I don't know what his ceiling is. I thought more of him early in his career. He's a good player. He's worth starting, but he's not a, somebody that I think you, you have to sign at all costs. Uh, Justin Burris, another guy that maybe if you don't sign Randall, you sign him. Um, Greg Robinson is going to prison, so I don't think you're going to have to worry about that. He got caught with a Ben Solak-sized uh, package of marijuana <laughs> uh, in Texas trying to transport it from L.A. to Louisiana. Uh, so he is going to be spending the next 20 years in a federal prison, so I don't think you have to worry about signing him. Um, oh, shout out Ben Solak. Yeah, oh I believe God, he's what tweeted That was amazing. That was amazing. So, um, yeah, so that, that decision is easy for you there. Uh, in terms of guys you clear up, Olivier Vernon, $15.5 million, um, I get, and with no penalty. Uh, Joel Batonio, $9 million with no. I don't think they cut Batonio, but we'll see. But on trade, so the interesting thing is Jarvis Landry is now questionable for week one. Uh, he got surgery. He's going to be out, hmm. I think it was like six to eight months or something. So, like, there's this – his timeline is like – it's – yeah. So, right now, from the time he got surgery, I believe it is seven months uh, to week one. In that, in that timeline. So like it's a weird um, – so six to eight months for the surgery. Seven months would be week one. So I don't know when he's going to play. So at this point, I don't think he's going to get traded. We found this out uh, a couple of days ago. I don't think he's going to get traded. So we'll see when he can be back. Always hesitant about guys that are hurt to start the year just because uh, – I mean, look, the A.J. Green thing was a special incident. But still, guys that are hurt earlier in the year doesn't guarantee they're going to be back right on the timeline. Could have missed the first month of the season. Maybe gets a setback, could miss more. So we'll kind of see what's going on with Jarvis Landry. Uh, Odell Beckham, if they trade him, they would save $14.3 million, But I don't think they're going to trade him. I think they're going to just kind of deal with this and, and see what happens. If you, Jamie, if you're – because I, I wrote down any trade scenarios you see playing out, and I totally see the, the Beckham and Landry stuff, obviously, based off of last season and it, it just being such a, such a shit show, really. There wasn't really any other way to describe that. But – you traded, you trade, you got Odell. You you brought in this, you know, a ton of offensive weapons around Baker Mayfield. Do you just look at last season and go, we got way ahead of ourselves. We we drank the Kool Aid, and we didn't have a good leader in the locker room. And you just go, okay, we're moving on, and we're going to run this back. We have a lot of cap space. We're going to add to this team. Or do you think that keeping a both Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry is just really never going to work out? I think you have to try it one more time. I agree. Because I, 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 you spent enough so money and talent. capital. The reality is, is this still on paper, this is still the second best team in the division. I don't think that I'm not predicting the finish there, but they are on paper the second best team. It looks like now Miles Garrett's going to play week one, right? Yep. I mean, he's reinstated. Yep, so he's reinstated. I, it doesn't look like he's going to miss any time this season, which, by the way, was smart. Saying definitely basically make it a year-long end-of-the-year suspension and then off-season quietly reinstated. Um, I just I, I think you have to give this another run. You're too talented of a team. You have plenty of cap space flexibility here. Like, you're, you're not in a bad spot. You don't have to be like, oh, well, we can't sign – we can't improve our team unless we trade Odo Beckham. I just I think you saw the worst case scenario play out for you last year. Odds are you're not going to even if you ran the exact same team back, you would get better results. I think. So I agree. I think you have to make another run here. You're going to have to improve your offensive line. That that's that's a key piece. You're going to have to improve the safety position, particularly if you let Randall and or Burris walk. But 
you can make these moves. Like you have some good young pieces at every area of the field. You you have a good draft here. Like I, I don't think you mess with this team too much. I really don't. I think you you improve this team, but I don't think you start making gross you know grand moves where you're trading Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, some of someone blows you away, but I don't think that's happening. Nobody's coming to you and offering you two ones or for Odell Beckham. Like it's just not happening. No, I, I think if if there was a scenario that played out that you got something like what you just said, something ridiculous. Some team throws really, really good draft capital at you for Odell. You entertain it, but I don't think that's going to happen. I just, because of what Odell has done from an optics standpoint this offseason, on top of already having a bad regular season, his value is not high. And, and I, I can't see a team going. Yeah, you're selling. Why would you sell him at his lowest value? This is been? his lowest value. Yeah. You know, if it doesn't work out this year, your best case scenario is he has an awesome season and doesn't get into any stupidity. And then you do something next offseason. But I think you have to do your very best to try and make this work with this team and hope that Baker Mayfield took his lumps. And as we've talked about, he's going to have to lead right? He's going to have to lead. He's going to have to be the guy. And I think he can be. And I know you do as well, Jamie. He just needs to do some things that he didn't do last year. And if that doesn't happen, this team could be in a world of hurt because like you said, on paper is nice. On paper, they were the best team in the division going into last year. How did that end up for you? Yeah. And look, the way all about contract is structured from a cap standpoint, they can get out of this whenever they want. Yeah, they can trade and sure, get out of it. They good can cut get out of it. Uh, the next two years on the start of, uh, on March 18th, uh, he'll basically get his entire base salary guaranteed and give it up to give it up to him. So you're, you're talking about a dollar compensation deal here, but there's no like they can literally cut or trade him any of the next four years with no cap penalty. Yeah. So I mean, it's again there's a there's a dollars and cents penalty, which again matters. I mean, you of write a check, it does. Uh, but it also makes him easier to trade if you've already if he's already guaranteed a salary, you already paid him the 15 million. The other team is like. Yeah, we're taking the cap hit, but we really only have to pay him like $2 million of actual money. Yeah. Okay. Again, if it doesn't work out. The best case scenario is that it works out. There's just, again, I just don't see any reason why you would trade not him this right year. now. Like, not just, not this year. For pennies on the dollar. Nope. There's really no need to. Again, especially with the extra playoff spot, you should be a playoff team. Oh, yeah. You should. There's a long way there. Should. I'm assuming, again, I know they say, well, Landry might be back by camp, but okay, well, if it's six to eight months and you had surgery in February, like, do the math. Yeah, come on. So, probably not back by camp. I'm just saying, there's just it, it's. I'm cautiously optimistic with this team. This team has a ton of potential. They have a lot of talent. They should be better, but it's a difficult division as we went over earlier, and they still got to show me something. Uh-huh. Show me something. Yeah, show me. Don't talk about it. Right. Yes. Don't talk about it. Just do it. Any other thoughts here before we move on to the Bengals? Just that. I, I mean, they're actually. I, if they can get just the fact that they're the Browns and their dysfunction in place, they they're, they're actually in a, good in a spot. really decent spot for these next couple of years. I know. Like, they're not in any cap trouble. They have a QB on a rookie deal. Like, their star players aren't, like, making a ridiculous amount of money. Like, they're making good money, but they're not making prohibitive money at this point. Like, this is your this is a great window for them. Like, they have to be better. Yeah. They just have to be better. Good cap situation, but as that it doesn't matter you got to win football games and hopefully they can turn things around in Cleveland the last team here in the AFC North and we're going to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals 44.9 million dollars of available cap space under contract 53 guys a bunch of key free agents here I think they're going to move away from some of these guys but I think that the interesting part here one I think it's Jamie Jamie puts together these lists and he snuck in a 
uh, potential targets for this team, and it says QB Joe Burrow, which I because I, I will not hear any other argument. No, there's no there is no other argument. They are going to keep Joe. That, that's that is what they're doing. They're drafting Joe Burrow. Period. End of sentence. And they're not they're not trading for any stupid thing that people are putting out on social media. End of, end of conversation. But with this team, they're not in a window, right? They're they're in a time where they're going to draft a rookie. They have some cap space, but they really they have to be, you know painfully aware of the fact that this is not a year of contention for this football team going into this season, Jamie. Yeah, and that's why I'm interested to see what they do with the secondary because, you know, Darquez Denard's a free agent. I don't think he's coming back. But you have two other guys in the secondary that you can cut and save some significant money. If they cut Jake Kirkpatrick, they'd save 8.3 uh, with a $2.8 million penalty. William Jackson, $9.6 million. I'm just interested to see what – again, you don't have to. I mean, I don't think they're going to be running into any cap issues this year. So you don't have to move on from any of these guys. Um, you know, we'll see if they cut or trade Andy Dalton, though they'd save 17.7 million on the cap if they're able to do that. That's the big one. Uh, but you know, we'll see. It's it's I don't imagine they're gonna be big players in free agency so much because I think it's a year too soon. I, I don't because we talk about signing guys to like two, three, four-year deals, which they need help in the secondary, uh, b- both the corner and safety positions. But do you really want to bring in guys who basically you know the first year is a complete wash? Like, is there anybody out there that has the age factor slash we just can't miss out on this guy that you say, well, but like, I, I mean, maybe Byron Jones. I mean, that would be the one maybe. guy I would say he's, young he's enough, for whatever reason yeah. interested in coming there and you can work out a dollar figure that everybody's happy with. He's young enough that he would be one of those guys I might make that exception exception for. But everybody else, it's just like, you know, Chris Harris is probably going to want to go to a contender right now. Like, he's an awesome corner, but doesn't is he going to be awesome three years from now? I don't yeah, know. Doesn't fit the window. You know, same thing with like Logan Ryan and like, you know. So to me, like, I, I, I think you kind of keep you guys that you have. You don't cut any of these guys to save space. You draft well, and you start saving up for next year when you're going to have even more cap space. You're going to have – I mean, I have, to, I have to see the current cap situation, but you're going to have Andy Dalton's hit off, which is another $17-plus million there. Uh, you know, to me, it's just re-sign Adrian Green because I do think you should have – as long as he's not asking for something ridiculous, which I don't think he will since he wants to stay there – we sign him again. Let Joe Burrow walk in with some decent weapons. Yeah. I mean, Eifert's going. You're going to want to find another tight end there at some point. You can find one in the draft. You can find one on the scrappy. Maybe even we sign Tyler Eifert. I can't imagine his price is that high given his injury Yeah, history. no kidding. But, like, that's the thing to me. You walk in. You've got John Moss. You've got Tyler Boyd. You've got A.J. Green. You've got – you know, I mean, you've got – Joe Mixon. You've you know, got – You've got yeah. pieces around. Yeah, you've got sure. playmakers. That offensive line isn't awful. It's not good, but it's not awful. Like, no, get better you can build there. on that. Like, yep. I, I, I just think you're really you know, you're not losing any major free agents there on the line, uh, aside from John Jerry. But like I I kind of look at the team and I go, that's what you need to do to start, and then you look one two years down the road and say, okay, where are we finding these other pieces? Where are we finding guys that help us win now? But to me, I just I don't see them being huge players for the premier free agents because I just don't think it fits their timeline. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't make any sense, right? They have to they have to know where they are. They have to look around the division, know that there's a window of time that they're not in. They're drafting their guy of the future this year, and they have to build for what will be next season and the year after that. And making a ton of moves now doesn't make a ton of sense for what will inevitably be their window. The one thing here is, Jamie, if you're them, do you keep Andy Dalton? Do you keep Andy Dalton and you let him kind of foster Joe Burrow um, through this learning how to be a pro thing? I think – let can. me Let me say this. There is there are very few guys that I've ever heard NFL coaches, GMs, scouts, anybody I've had a conversation with say they remember a time other than Peyton Manning where somebody was so 
pro ready. And I mean, not just from a, not a football perspective. I mean, from a leadership perspective, from a, I'm going to go into the locker room and be able to command the locker room and act like a pro right away. Cause those are two completely different things. Talent wise, different conversation. I I love Joe. I think he's, but from a raw talent perspective, he's not the most talented guy. Trust me, you're going to see all these guys throw and you're going to watch Jacob Eason and Justin Herbert and you're going to go, oh my God. They're going to put some throws out there that are unbelievable. That's not what it's all about. Joe is the most pro-ready guy and that's great for this team. So they maybe they don't need Andy, but they're also not forced to do that. Right, Jamie? Yeah, and that's why I look at this. If, if It's not the end of the world if they keep Andy Dalton. It's, no. not gonna, it's not going to prevent them from doing anything else they want to do this offseason. If somebody is willing to give you draft capital for Andy Dalton of significance, like not like we'll give you a seventh round pick, then uh, I think you have to do it just because you you know he's not going to be a part of your future. Mm-hmm. You know he's not going to be there next year. You could sign. By the way, go hand Josh McCown money. Who cares if he's not going to play for the yeah. first half the season? If you really just need somebody to help a young quarterback through the system, like you can go get him for significantly less than seventeen point seven million dollars for sure. 100%. So if somebody is willing to give you reasonable you know, draft capital in, the, capital in the middle rounds, by all means. If not, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It really is. Like, you don't have to do anything, and then you'll probably get a comp pick at some point next in 2022 or whatever for, for, or, for I guess, 2021. Yeah. For Andy Dalton. I guess no, it would be 2022 if you do it that way. But whatever, for Andy Dalton. So you'll get it around down the road. You don't have to make this move. But if somebody offers you something worthwhile, you do it. If not, it's okay. Yeah. It's not like they're $1 million under the cap and they're like, well, we have to. No, they don't. They're money. not forced to do anything here with him, which is why I think it creates a an interesting dynamic with this team because I think we think that they know that they're not in a window. But what we think and what they – sometimes a team – insert the LA Rams, okay, mm-hmm. which I can't wait to talk about that team. But that's – like. But the, apparently they want to trade for Darius Slay now. With what money? Like, what are you? Oh my God. I cannot wait to get into that division because it is so absolutely interesting to, to get into. Uh, Jamie, any, any parting thoughts here on, on this division? Uh, that I'm actually, it's just going to be a really strong division next year. I think the AFC is really interesting. I think the AFC West, particularly if Tom Brady ends up there, uh, and the mm-hmm. AFC North are going to be significantly, I mean, pretty strong divisions. Yeah. Uh, and look, the AFC South isn't great. Uh, the AFC East is getting better. It isn't great, but these other two divisions are going to be really, really interesting this year. And again, when some of these teams from the bottom start coming up, it makes things tough for teams when you don't have, like, I don't think the Bengals are going to be a two win team next year. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I think so as these teams in the middle and the lower part start to move up a little bit, those top teams are going to struggle a little bit more and that's going to be, make a huge difference come playoff time. I hope you enjoyed our AFC North preview. If you haven't listened to our other previews, please go back and listen. We've already gotten through quite a few of the divisions. We will continue this uh, until we get through every division in the NFL. Stay tuned because now it's going to be a great conversation. Myself, Jamie, and Jake talking about the CBA and the new rules in the NFL. All right, guys, let's talk about the new CBA rules that were approved. The owners approved them. We have to wait on Friday. Uh, It's February 21st. We have to wait for the players to approve what has happened. And I'm sure if you've been on social media, you've seen an absolute uh, storm of tweets about the new playoff format, which would add two more teams, only one team with the bye. Um, which a lot of people are upset about because they like the current format. Uh, 
that that was added um, to this. And then another regular season game, which we all kind of knew was coming. That's been discussed for quite some time. So let's start off with the new playoff format, because I think everybody kind of expected the, the extra regular season game. But changing the playoff format was not something really anybody asked for. And I'm, and I'm laughing at all the tweets like, everybody, the NFL is perfect in its postseason. And then the NFL is like, we're going to change it anyways. And Jake, obviously, we know more playoff games, more revenue. And that's more likely why this decision is being made. Yeah, they did a hell of a job of keeping us under wraps, didn't they? I mean, we were talking yeah, about did. 17 games and three preseason games for a while now, but nobody heard anything about this until, what, two days ago? And it was already, like, approved when they, when they said it? Uh, you know, I feel myself almost like a baseball purist this morning, and I can't wait to hear Jamie's take on this with baseball change in their format as well. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I don't know that having another... I guess two more games really does add some revenue. I hate that two teams don't have a buy and only one team has a buy. That that format, I, I don't know. I can't really wrap my head around if I like it or hate it. You know, I mean, if a team that, okay, maybe we'd have gotten in the playoffs, if you're the Bears, the Buccaneers, one of those teams who win another couple games down the stretch, you're, you're that seventh team. I, I just, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I really love the playoffs the way they were. I don't think in this participation trophy world we live in that everybody should get in. I mean, if there's a couple other teams that get in this year, they're going to get dusted. So I don't know that I love it. I like, I liked it. It's hard to get in the playoffs. 32 teams, six get in each of the two divisions. I don't, I don't know. Jamie, I mean, I'm, I'm literally feeling like the baseball purists this morning that hate the new baseball format. No, I, I agree completely. I'm anti-adding more playoff teams in all sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think quite frankly, there are too many playoff teams in I the agree. NHL and the NBA. Uh, for my liking, uh, I liked baseball format prior to adding that second wild card. And now they're going to add to that, and they're going to do some. They could add to that, do some weird things where you can, like pick your opponent. Like yeah. baseball is going to could get weird. They're in a little bit different spot because they're trying to gain a younger audience. The NFL has that audience right now. The biggest thing to me about this rule change is I don't think yes, obviously the extra playoff games are are revenue. But I think the underlying current of what they're trying to do is the same reason why baseball added that second wild card team is to keep more teams and more cities in contention For sure. later in the season. Yep. And, you, and it, it get more fan bases to stay active, engaged, buying tickets, buying merchandise, not giving up on the season. Uh, all of those things have an auxiliary benefit that you don't necessarily are not able to measure specifically, but that is the biggest reason why I think they're doing this. And yes, obviously the two extra playoff games, they, they like too, but there's this like icebergs effect here of it's really about keeping up the integrity of the late part of the regular season. But for me, again, I, I think there's the playoffs should be special I and agree. across all sports. The playoffs should be special. Again, adding one team from each conference isn't the end of the world. It's not going to bastardize the game. And the NFL at least has the luxury of they only have soon to be 17 regular season games. It's not like baseball. We have 162 and you mm-hmm. feel like, why are we playing all of these freaking games if half the league can make the playoffs yeah. type of a thing? Um, I, I get that, but I don't love it. I, I'm not like, I'm not going to like make a picket sign and protest in the streets about it for one team, <laughs> but I, I would prefer the way it was. I thought, I thought you were perfectly fine the way it was. You, you don't, you, the concern to me is, is when you start letting these, lesser teams in you always run the risk of what happens sometimes a lot in hockey and in some ways it makes it great but in some ways it takes away from the postseason of 
teams that really shouldn't be there that just happen to get hot at the right time, yeah. start taking out your best teams and you start to wonder like, <clears throat> is this really what we want to do? Or do we want to say, look, be, sustain success over the course of four months of the regular season yeah. is hard to do. And you should be rewarded specifically for that, not for going eight and eight and winning three in a row to end the season. And now you're hot. Um, but it is what it is. And I saw the number breakdown where the most likely, if they, if they went back to like 2000 or whatever the last time they expanded the playoffs was, that most of the seven seeds would have been nine and seven. Yeah. Uh, there would have been a few 10 and six teams. There would have been that one Patriots team that went 11 and five and didn't make it. Um, a few eight and eight teams and no teams with losing records. That's nice. And you're still more likely to get a losing record division champion than you are a seventh wildcard team. But I don't know. Just to me, it's, uh, it always cheapens the regular season somewhat when you start adding more teams. I agree. And I just, there's something, and I get it. You, you go head to head, you get to play each other. And if you're that much better, you win. But it feels like, you know, a 12 win team and an eight win team getting the same opportunity, which is going to happen more often now than it was before. If you weren't happy with it because of the division system, now it's going to happen more often. I don't know. I just don't, I don't feel, I don't love it. I go back to there's only been three wild card Super Bowl winners, right? You have the Giants, the Packers, and the Steelers that have done it. Steelers got in, what, 05, 04 season, 05. We were there, won the last couple games, got hot, were 10 and six and got in. And Trump, I mean, just just ran off of the playoffs and won the Super Bowl. It's only happened three times. Now you're talking about a team worse than that, right? Another wild card that's worse than the original wild card. But I get the whole point about more fan bases engaged. I really felt it this year probably more than ever. I'm not really sure why. Uh, But it kind of felt like, okay, the season's over and we have these teams left and let's watch playoff football. And I kind of liked it. I'm not a huge fan of it. It's only happened three times in the history of the NFL. And now we're going to add a team worse than that that doesn't really have a chance, in my opinion, to make a run. Like, hockey, I get. Basketball's got way too many. I mean, basketball playoffs are damn near as long as the regular season. I I just, I don't know. I'm big on two teams in both divisions have gotten a bye in the past, and I like that. Maybe it's because we're used to it. Maybe I'm getting older. The baseball (laughs) purist in me, which I don't think I have that much of, I just, I don't really find myself liking this at all. I'm really looking forward to... Uh, so for those of you that don't know, the Arians Family Foundation is hosting an event this weekend. And, and I am going to ask Bruce because on the flip side, right? If you recall, the first season that Bruce Arians was coaching here in Arizona, the team got hot at the end of the year and they were what, nine and seven to end the season? Ten and six. Ten and six, six, I think. Ten and six and didn't miss the post and, and miss the postseason. Now, I'm interested. And you wouldn't have wanted to play us. That's a perfect example of the okay. opposite of what we're talking about because you would not have wanted to play us right then. Yeah. Once, like one seven in a row to finish the season. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the, that's the question that I want to ask Bruce is like, hey, like in that scenario where that team, you just happen to play in, and the division's similar to that way now where it, the, that division is so stacked that you're going to have a team that, might be better than every other team that won their division that's going to miss out on the postseason. And that's that's where I see the other side, right? And I know that for every one of those, there's probably three teams that shouldn't belong, and I, and I get that, right? I'm just trying to play devil's advocate a little bit because I do understand that I'm used to this playoff format, and I like it, and I didn't ask for anything different, and I think there's a little aspect of me that's like, Listen, you you got to win the games that matter. You, it, it's hard to get into the postseason. And I absolutely hate 
how the NBA has it. Because in the NBA, the eighth seed that makes it in never, and I mean never beats the first seed. In hockey, no. it happens every once in a while, right? And no. it and it's and it creates this March madness like fun in hockey that people get excited about. And I think if the NFL's looking at something, they're going, okay, if there's an opportunity for another fan base, like Jamie's saying, to stay more engaged and to get lucky. They don't care that that's good for them because it's entertaining. And at the end of the day, we're all going to sit here. We're going to watch the Baltimore Ravens of this year be the best team all season long. And then the little guy, the Tennessee Titans go up and beat the absolute doors off that team. And everybody's entertained. So that's where I look at it. And I go, okay, yes. From a, is the product going to be diluted a little bit? Maybe, but from an entertainment standpoint, we're all going to watch. We're all going to be interested. In two years from now, I'm going to come back to this conversation and we're probably all going to be like, yeah, we like it now because we just get used to it, right? And I think that's that's what happens. My initial thoughts were I didn't like it. I was mad. And then I sat back and went, what am I mad about? Am I mad that it's just like they're changing what I'm used to? Yeah, that's that's what it is. I'm definitely not mad. I just don't think I like it. And to go back to yeah, your point, like which, was a, which was, a great, was a great point, I think there's probably 100 to 1 because it's hard to win seven games in a row in the NFL much less seven games in a row when you start three and whatever, three and six, yeah. and you win seven in a row. That doesn't happen very often. I think it's probably one to 100. But at the same time, tough shit. You didn't make the playoffs. You should have yeah. won one. I like that fact. The next two yeah. years, they, they go 11 and five and three and 13, the same team. Um, but, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, the NFL knows we're going to watch. I'm going to watch. I'm damn sure going to watch. Right? Okay. They, they know that, so they're going to add that. They're going to get the revenue. I don't know that I'm going to come back and say that I like it in two years, but we will be used to it at that point. And there's more, look, more football, NFL football, more playoff NFL football. People are watching the XFL. Exactly. I'm in. I'm in. I just, I just don't know that I, I want that extra team. Well, yeah, and I think there, there are two different arguments here because, yeah, there's a sense of, yeah, am I going to enjoy watching six wildcard weekend games instead of four? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, am I going to enjoy the fact that there, it's, there's a new strategy both for fantasy and real life football that goes into it? Sure. Do I think it's necessary? No. no. Does it dilute the product? Yes. But if I'm, if I worked for the NFL, I would be in love with this. It makes all the sense in the world. Now you have two more premier TV games that you get to sell. Yep. Beyond the 17th game that you get, you adding to that because that's going to get worked into whatever. I was going to say that's the perfect transition into the 17th game. I mean, what are we thinking yeah. about that? And you got what 18? One, some teams have eight home games, nine away. Some have the opposite. I, yeah, I love the I mean, fact that there's only three preseason games. Yeah, less preseason is a win for yes. everybody for the players. But this this new collective bargaining agreement. I mean, you got 17 games. You have the playoffs. The players are going to get. Upwards of five billion dollars extra in the revenue share, basically one to one and a half percent. So they got a little bit more than they got last time. But with this preseason format of going to three games, there, there, there's all kinds of stuff in there about how much time at the facility, how many days you could pl- practice against other teams, back to back days off. Like the players went back to what they did last time and didn't learn their lesson on less practice time. I think the, the first two weeks of the season are going to be awful football, like they have been the last couple of years before we start getting into decent stuff. That part I don't like. Uh, the 17 game season, I don't like, I don't love it. I don't hate it. I just think it's going to be weird of who gets nine home games and who gets eight. That, that part make is. Play, make everyone play one neutral site game. <laughs> and that's who knows, but I, I, I can't wait to hear Jamie's take on what it does for fantasy. We have a, oh, we have a reform, we have a reform, format the entire concept. 
Yeah, because not only do you add the 17th game, but adding this extra playoff team means that there are going to be more teams that clinch earlier, I think, at times. Yep. Clinch a playoff spot earlier. Yep. And more teams that are in it late. So you're going to have this weird mix of some teams are going to actually rest their players earlier, especially now that if you're the number – let's say you're locked into the two seed. Now you're resting you guys week 17. Yeah. You're not worried about that two-week layoff thing that we have seen just kill so many teams when they take <sighs> off week 17 and then have the bye to open the playoffs. Especially if it's a 17-game schedule with a week five bye, right? Yeah. But then also, like, injuries. Like, again, what if, yeah, an early bye? Like, I don't know if they did, did they – are they instituting a second bye week? I didn't hear anything about that. The players wanted – I don't, I don't think so. It's not I, yeah, in I didn't there. I hear it. Yeah, so, it's not in there. I, I just, like, there have all these things of so increased risks of injury – Yes, there are going to be teams in it late. The other thing for fantasy that's going to be really interesting because this this came out from Adam Schefter um, that you would they would go up to being allowed to bring back three players from IR, Ooh, which I love. Okay. I think yeah. I think they should. I, I understand you don't you want to be careful going to a, like a full DL system. So like because the Dodgers have been notorious for taking advantage of that, where a guy just you know isn't feeling it, so they put him on the DL, so they call somebody else up. Yeah. But I do think having more than one designated return is important, and going up to three, I think, is a pretty good number. We'll see how that works. That becomes really interesting for fantasy as well because absolutely it does. With all this extra time, guys get hurt early in the season. Like you could, there's going to be some strategy in. By the way, a there should be IR spots in fantasy leagues now if they yep. move up to three, and that should become a standard spot at least one, if not three, for sure. Uh, and two, there's some strategy there now because I'd be more willing to do what you do in some other in like fantasy baseball where. You might take a guy that's injured to start the year because you say, you know what? I'm going to take a chance. They're good at the end of the season. It's the gold tape thing, except not a suspension. Yeah, um, for sure. I, yeah, I the other thing to note is there looks like there's going to be more people on the roster, more people yeah. in the practice squad, and more people active on Sunday. That that could yeah, go up right. like by two or three people, whatever that ends that number ends up being. Uh, yeah, that, I think cool. that, I think that could impact some things as well. I mean, you got a guy that. You know, teams might they're dressing extra lineman, dressing extra receiver, whatever it is. I, that could impact some things. Yeah, it looks like 48 uh, on game day, up from 46, and then rosters go from 53 to 55, and then practice squads increase as well. Yeah, from um, 10 to 12 or whatever it is. Yeah, that's, 10 to 12 uh, and then up to 14 in 2022. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I like that. It's good for the league. It's good for more players getting in, more players getting opportunities. I mean, that makes a ton of sense. I, the The thing that I saw today that would be really interesting from a – it's not the thing you think about first, but then when I saw the calendar, I went, oh, that makes a ton of sense. That now the, the league could make everything fall where the Super Bowl would fall on President's Day weekend every time. And that, I, I know that it doesn't seem like, oh, if you're a Super Bowl, if you're a fan, you... you That's all those people calling for a Saturday Super Bowl so they're not hung over at work That's on Monday, That's a huge right? deal. That's a huge deal <clears throat> huge because deal. if they can turn... They, Huge deal because if they can turn what is already a Super Bowl week into we're going to market around a already implanted three-day holiday weekend for the United States, that creates what everybody wants. We have asked on Twitter for our entire – I've seen it for five years. Make the, make the Monday after Super Bowl a holiday, and this would make it that way. And that would be, from a marketing perspective – from making sure you're getting in front of fans, turning that weekend into a, hey, you might not have tickets to the game, but all of a sudden you're like, hey, three-day weekend that I get to go hang out in Tampa or or Scottsdale or Vegas or Los Angeles, 
all of a sudden that becomes a much more interesting marketing play for the NFL, for the teams. They can create events around that. I saw that today and I went, that is a low-key, very, very important thing. And somebody at the NFL is going, this is amazing, and we're very happy about it. Because I, I think it makes a ton of sense. And it obviously wasn't on – I mean, maybe they did it on purpose, but if it ends up being that way, all of a sudden Super Bowl week could take a whole nother – it could be a whole nother animal. And it's already an animal, and Jake knows that because we both have been. But it's it, it could be – it could be in a whole other galaxy of the way they market it. And that's the best. I think the, the NFL's paying attention to we're all watching the XFL, right, guys? I mean, that's a lot of us are, yeah. And that's, I, I that's, tell you what, I mean, for all the things the NFL gets wrong, Roger Goodell and the NFL, they get so much of this right. I mean, having this collective bargaining agreement, we talked about it the last couple of weeks. I mentioned it a few times. Having this done now, before free agent, if this gets done and voted on today, which it looks like it's going to be done. Before free agency starts, and you have seven years of whatever this ends up being, of no work stoppages, no risk of a work stoppage, the NFL is still on a upward exponential trajectory. Now you have a new TV revenue contract they're going to go negotiate on the 17 games, a new playoff TV contract because you have extra games with that. Uh, I mean, it's just... They get the, they get this part, and they, and they damn well do it good. It pays your point. If they can move that to President's Day weekend and make that you know, three-day weekend every year, I mean, it's just another thing they get right. That The revenue is just unbelievable. You, you extend how much football that we get. You know, the, the 17 games where they go into effect next year and the, the playoffs go into effect this year, right? So, I mean, this is uh, – I don't know it's exciting. I, I'm glad we're not going to go – Pass free agency, close to the draft, going into this summer with no CBA done. If this gets done today, I think it's phenomenal for all worlds involved, including the players, who, whatever they negotiated. But they got more money out of it. They, they got 17 games. got a shorter preseason. I hate that week one and week two are probably going to suck. But other than that, I'm, 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 I'm really excited the CBA is going to get done. And we're not going to be anywhere near a work stoppage. Yeah, that was the big thing, right? We talked about it a, a couple of weeks ago, and we've talked about it before that Roger Goodell's legacy, right? This is an opportunity for him to really cement himself. And he's taken some licks, right, for for the domestic violence stuff and from a social issues and the Colin Kaepernick. And it's there's been mishaps along the way. But for the most part, when we look back on on his tenure and his time in the NFL, what we're going to remember is the league was growing and making more money constantly. And that is when we, if we're 20 years down the road from this, it's not going to be Colin Kaepernick and Ray Rice. It's going to be, oh my God, the league grew and expanded and, and was unbelievable and continued to do that. And I think he knows that. And if he gets this done today, if it's done, this is a huge win for him and for the NFL. And I don't think we should overlook what this this day could mean in the history of Roger Goodell. Because yeah. I think the more likely thing, I know we talked about all the other stuff you just brought up there, but in 30, 40 years when they're, they're doing an NFL Films video on Roger Goodell's impact, they're going to talk, in my opinion, my estimation, about three things. They're going to talk about the expansion of the playoffs. Yep. They're going to talk about, I mean, aside from the revenue, so they're going to talk about the expansion of the playoffs, the expansion of the regular season, and the expansion to London and setting the roots for that. Those are going to be, that's what Roger Goodell's legacy is going to be when we look back on this in 2050. Yeah, I agree with that. If that's the case, it's going to be a hell of a legacy. That's exactly right. It's a a hell of a legacy, um, especially when you look at specifically this year around professional sports and the growth that the NFL had while simultaneously the NBA's ratings are down dramatically. 
right? Their salary cap is going down for the first time in a long time. Um, and the NFL salary cap's going up. Things are good. The league's got a lot of superstars. The teams are strong. The markets are strong. It's, it's a good time for the NFL. It's, and, and they rebounded after some pretty tough social issues that they had to navigate in 2018, 19, 2020 now where that can destroy a, or really close to destroy a brand. And they navigated themselves through it and they're, they're through it. It's, this is a, this is a very, very good time for the league. And listen, expanding to overseas, go take a look at how dramatically bigger the NFL is growing in Europe. It is insane. Germany, France, Italy, like all over Europe. If they, if they pull this off and they get a team to go there, right? And we joke about it, but I'm, we're serious. No, I think it's, like, I think it's, it's happening. happening. Like it's, they're going to make it happen and it's going to more than likely be the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? Like they're going to be there and it's going to be a huge win for the NFL. It is. They're, they're, it's going to be a huge win and they're setting the foundation this year by putting Jacksonville there for two games. And I know Jake can speak to it. Jamie and I haven't been, but he said it's an awesome at- – Jake, you've said it's an awesome atmosphere, and I think I- I'd love to go see a game because I think it it looks so fun when you watch it on TV. It was really cool, and they, they did a hell of a job. I mean, they turned Tottenham's Hotspur Stadium into an NFL stadium, but it was a Buccaneers home game playing the Panthers, and there was Buck stuff everywhere. Like, they made it feel like you were playing a home game. All the colors were there. The logos were there, and they do that every week. So in Jacksonville playing back-to-back games – for the first time, because they play there every year, but for the first time, London's going to start feeling like that's their team. Two weeks in a mm-hmm. row, people can buy two home games to what feels like is their team, and they do a hell of a job of doing that. I haven't been to Wembley. Um, the Rugby Ground Stadium in Twickenham, I've, I've heard, is not as good, but the one they built in Tottenham that was for football. They used the NFL. They had the, you know, the NFL in conjunction with them to build that stadium for that purpose. is awesome. It's 62,000 seats. There's not a bad seat in the house. It's spectacular. The atmosphere was awesome. They love it. And it's damn sure heading that way. Yeah. All right, guys. Any parting thoughts on today's podcast? Jamie, I'll let you go first. You know, I'm just I'm interested to see if this deal gets done. Mm-hmm. It looks like it will, at least. But at this point, the parameters that we discussed are going to get done. Maybe yeah. some money gets shifted one way or the other. But I, I can't see any major changes now happening at this point forward. And uh, I'm excited to evaluate over the offseason what this means for fantasy. Huge because, deal. It, you know, when, when everything is implemented with the extra roster spots, with the extra extra playoff game, with the extra regular season game, we're going to have to adjust our strategies a little bit. And we're going to, and one of those things off the top of my head is saying guys that have been, that have stay healthy consistently are going to be more valuable to you because now you have the potential to lose a bigger amount of games off your fantasy roster and, Movie, and now you're going to have to have fantasy championship in week 17 instead of week 18. Now you're taking week 18 off. Yeah. Uh, does that mean you actually, to me, I look at that as you expand your league's playoffs to have more two-week playoff matchups. I don't think you got to do a bigger regular season in fantasy. I think you do that. But uh, it'll be really interesting to see how this affects the fantasy world going into next year. Don't mess with my football. Get my CBA done. I love it. There's not going to be a work stoppage. I think this is the perfect timing. I love that if this gets done – before free agency, the freaking locomotive just keeps on trumming that is the NFL. And I, I just, I think it's awesome. So I'm, I hopefully it gets done today. It sounds like it is. I'll get used to all the new stuff, but more football is never a bad thing. Yeah, I'm with you. It was, this was my big circled item. That was my sense of nerve, right? Get the CBA done, get this done and smart on the NFL for, for pushing it, for making it happen, trying to get it done on a, 
It's going to be, uh, it feels like a five o'clock news dump on a Friday. We always used to joke about it in the newsroom. Like it's going to get done. It's going to get dumped and we're going to know, Hey, it's, it's done. It's over with. And, and it feels like this is a really, really good thing um, across all boards because at the end of the day, nobody, including the players, nobody wants to not be working. It means not making money. And that's not a good thing for, for any any size, especially not good for us. So we definitely don't want that to happen. So, uh, Jake, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. Jamie? You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on Twitter and Instagram. And you can be sure to check out everything on thedraftnetwork.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.